Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to a free agency night edition of Locked On NBA. I'm Wes Goldberg here with David Ramil. We are going to break down the winner's and losers of the very first night, just a few hours into this, David, of NBA free agency. Let's start. Let's just get right into it. Start with the winners. I think we have to start with the Miami Heat, right, David? I mean, you get Kyle Lowry, add P.J. Tucker, uh, Jimmy Butler signs his extension. You're pretty much hitting all the notes that you had hoped to hit if you were Miami. Not only that, but you're also able to retain Duncan Robinson at a pretty decent deal. I mean, some reports that maybe he might be able to command as much as $25 million per year in the open market. They get him at a much cheaper uh, rate than that. And he provides so much of their offense. He provides so much of a benefit to guys like Bam and Jimmy, who are not great shooters themselves. And then you add a guy like Lowry who can space the floor, who can create opportunities. I look, I mean, I think it's a fantastic addition. I know there are concerns about the age, uh, you know, obviously adding Tucker, who's somewhat older and Lowry, who was, you know, 35 years old, not exactly, uh, you know, improving as far as the, the youth movement is concerned, but you add versatile defenders. I mean, that, that starting lineup with the exception of Duncan, who I think has a bad reputation as a bad defender. I think overall, that's a really, really great defensive unit. They're going to be holding opponents routinely to under 90 points per game. I, even in today's NBA, that sounds ludicrous, but I think it might be possible. Um, I love the moves. I, I like the, the the trio of Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo. Just makes a lot of intuitive sense, right? Like yeah. Lowry, you you and I have talked about this quite a bit. Uh, the, the issues at Miami is that that point of attack defense has been a concern sure. for them for a really long time. And that was something they tried to address last year by signing Avery Bradley. This is not Avery Bradley, right? This is a much more impactful type of addition. You expect Kyle Lowry to walk in right away, hold his own in that locker room and provide that again, that point of attack level of defense. He could space the floor. Um, I don't know that offensively it's much more of an upgrade over Goran Dragic, but defensively it was, I think there's ripple effects across that lineup, right? Because with Miami, you were dealing with some sort of – you had two of Goran Dragic, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero on the floor almost at all times, and none of those guys are really high-level defenders. Kyle Lowry is a high-level defender at that Absolutely. point guard position, and so I think that's going to help the rest of that lineup sort of click into place. Um, there were reports that the, that the Heat could be going after DeMar DeRozan. I mm-hmm. think with that, there's some spacing issues, mm-hmm. but that – like. As, as we're recording this, DeRozan's still a free agent. It doesn't look like the Heat have a, a, a like a logistical, a, a real pathway to getting DeRozan unless he wants to take a huge discount and sign for some sort of mid-level exception type of money. But um, with the, well, there have been discussions the about sign and trades with some of their mm-hmm. former players like Iguodala or maybe even Kendrick Nunn in exchange for uh, DeMar. But I, I'm not sure how realistic those are, as you mentioned. But they're also right. planning on adding, you know, quality veterans, you know, guys that are going to be chasing rings towards the tail end of their careers. I think they're, Miami may have set themselves up as perhaps a second-tier contender in the Eastern Conference. Well, I, I think that's where we're at, right? Because I, I still think, look, after the Lowry signing, people were, okay, do they go after DeRozan now? But what they ended up following this up with P.J. Tucker – we heard right. they were in on like a Bobby Portis type of deal. I think that would have been obviously plan A for them, but they get PJ Tucker who could space the floor, right? He's a good three point shooter out of the corners, obviously could defend at a high level. Look, you're adding a lot of age to this roster, mm-hmm. but 
with Lowry, a three-year deal worth $90 million, look, you just you pay it. This is a team operating well over the cap. It doesn't really – now all we're talking about is Mickey Harrison's money, and who cares? Um, but for P.J. Tucker, I think this is a nice place filler at that four mm-hmm. spot. Kind of gives them what Jay Crowder gave them that, uh, that year where they had that run to the finals. Uh, that starting five makes a lot of sense to me. Lowry, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler, P.J. Tucker, Bam Adebayo, especially if Bam can start to stretch out his game. And if Jimmy Butler can bounce back from a really poor three-point shooting year that he had last season and get back to, you know, closer to his averages versus um, kind of a career low last year. But uh, that to me makes a lot of sense. I still think there are a notch below Milwaukee and Brooklyn um, who are not on our list of winners, but they didn't really need to be either. Like Milwaukee brought back Bobby Portis, Brooklyn brought back uh, Blake Griffin. They're kind of standing pat and they can afford to do that. Right. No, I, I think that's spot on. Like, I mean, you can make a case for Philadelphia, maybe even Boston. I guess New York has made some moves. We'll talk about those later on. But, uh, you know, Miami's additions address a lot of their the team's needs. Uh, and while, yes, they are perhaps overpaying for guys like Lowry and maybe even, you know, Jimmy Butler, you you worry about those years down the road. You don't have to think about right. that right now. You, you make up a, a push for to win now and you hope for the best and maybe you catch a break just like Milwaukee did this past season. And then maybe find yourself somehow in the finals again, and maybe you have better luck this time around. I've seen, I've seen people question the the Duncan Robinson extension, the five years, 18 million a year. It's like, that's an overpay. Look, that's what shooters go for now. Either you have them or you don't. Duncan Robinson is one of the best three point shooters in the league. You can argue he's one of the best three, three point shooters in the league. And that's just what it costs now. And people either you get them or you don't get them. And that's it. Um, All right. You mentioned the Knicks there. I kind of lumped the Knicks and the Nuggets together as winners because they just kind of kept their own guys and then made one big plus addition, right? So the Knicks, they bring back Derrick Rose. They bring back Nolan's Noel, Reggie Bullock, uh, Alec Burks. All those guys had really good years for them. They bring them all back. Um, most of them are on three-year deals, or all of them, I believe, are on three-year deals. And uh, they're able to keep some of this flexibility. All those tra- all those salaries, by the way, easily like tradable you could package together and make that move if they are going to be in on this Damian Lillard stuff later on if that does indeed become a thing uh and then Fournier four years maybe an overpay but you get an addition there and you fill an area of need which was on the wing for them and then with the Nuggets same similar deal right they bring back Will Barton they bring back Austin Rivers they bring back Jermichael Green and then they go out and add a Jeff Green again a position of need a guy who can kind of unlock some flexible lineups for them can play the four can even play some small ball five for them I liked what the Knicks and the Nuggets did. They would have loved to make, make that all-star type of acquisition if that were available to them, mostly in a trade. That's not out there right now. So they bring back their own guys off of you know two relatively successful seasons and then make a big addition. The problem with the Nuggets this past year wasn't their roster. It was injury. I think we saw that pretty clearly when you know missing Jamal Murray for most of the season really took – a lot of the wind out of their sails and so you kind of double down and i think that was expected and they held to that plan and they made a nice addition in green as you mentioned so I, I think when you have an mvp like Jokic there you can afford to not really make any kind of radical change uh, i think that was the right move for them you get the right team there you, to bring back Jamichael michael green i think it's a nice move also so i for for denver i really like what they were able to do even if it wasn't all that flashy new york similarly i, I think the, the difference is that they didn't have the same kind of success. They don't have the same kind of ceiling, in my opinion, as Denver does. You know, they don't have a Jokic on that roster. And as great as Julius Randle is, you're kind of trying to just build around 
that core, you bring back Rose, you add Evan Fournier, who's a decent player. You know, he struggled a little bit in Boston, mostly because of COVID-19. But for the most part, it's a, an opportunity to prove that you are the playoff team that we saw last year and for most of the regular season in order to lock in that fourth seed of the Eastern Conference. And so you, you kind of just move forward knowing that there are other options down the road. It's a smart move. And look, considering what the Knicks have been like over the past few years, I think this is a definite step in the right direction. I think what you just said about the Knicks was really, really positive about the Knicks. But the yes. one thing that's going to get you crushed in your mentions is the fact that you said that Julius Randle isn't as good as Nikola Jokic. It's absolutely true. But you're going to like Knicks fans are going to they're just going to take that one out and be like, what are you talking about, man? He's an MVP. Um, Chicago Bulls. I have them as a winner. Um, I don't think they blew the doors off of free agency, but this wasn't really a free agency period that lent itself to be to have its doors blown off. You know what I mean? But sure. they go out, make a quality addition in Lonzo Ball, certainly an upgrade at that point guard spot. And then they double down and say, you know what? Let's get two guys. Let's go after Alex Caruso. And now if you're Chicago, you've got Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, Zach Levine. I don't know if you start all three. I don't know what you do there as far as lineups are concerned, but that doesn't really matter. You just needed, if you were Chicago, bodies, right? And you and you got you made the Vucevic deal at the trade deadline last year. This is starting, you're starting to sort of iron out some of these weaknesses they had, specifically in that backcourt. Mm-hmm. There's a you can kind of see the outline of maybe a, a fringe playoff team in the Eastern Conference now. I think that's fair. I mean, you've got two all-star level talents. And from there, you kind of, if you can build around the fringes, and I, I don't think that's, that's anywhere close to assessing what Lonzo Ball is actually able to bring to the table. But Caruso, my concerns about him are, you know, things that we've seen in the past from guys that have benefited playing alongside LeBron mm-hmm. James. And maybe yeah. Caruso's game's a little different in that regard and that maybe he can stand out on his own. And he's able to hold his own when he was playing alongside LeBron. But most of the time you remove those guys from LeBron's side and they don't play nearly as well. So that seems like a slight overpay, but maybe he's got enough uh, determination given his background and everything else where he wants to prove that this isn't just another paycheck for him. So we'll see how it pans out. But look, I mean, Levine and Alex Caruso is walking to Chicago as the dude with championship experience. Let's just remember that right now. Like he's that influx into that locker room. That's sad. That's sad because he does not <laughs> he does not strike me as the kind of guy who can carry a locker room like that because he is, after all, Alex Caruso. I don't think he's you know, he's got tenacity or whatever and and, uh, and spark, spunk, but I don't know if that that's necessarily that you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's going to go into the locker room and say, all right, guys, this is my my guy to winning a title. So <laughs> right. you know, play with LeBron James. That's usually a good first step with that. I like the additions because. I don't know that the Bulls needed a true point guard, right? Like Lonzo Ball has sort of found this world where he's a point guard in transition, but kind of a wing in the half court defensively. I know he's polarizing. There's length there. He does. He's smart. He does good things on that end. He's not a negative by any stretch. Uh, Caruso, another guy who could just sort of, you know, fit certain lineups, play his role, willing to do all like that kind of stuff. Then you have Levine in there is obviously going to be your leading scorer. Uh, but can also play make a little bit, right? We saw him turn the corner a little bit last year. Vucevic is obviously a playmaker from the center spot. I just, I like the idea of having like this mixy, versatile, rangy lineups that everybody's ball handlers, everybody's switching, everybody's shooting. You could be a little unpredictable. I don't know. I just like, I like the way the Bulls roster is starting to come along. I'm not saying that they're going to beat Brooklyn or Milwaukee or even Miami based on these recent moves. I just like what they're doing. I think they're going to be much better than this next year than they were last year because they they just went out and said, this is what we need to do, and they went ahead and did it. 
uh, twice. Now, now we should point oh, out that they do lose Daniel Tice in a sign and trade to Houston. And they also right. lost Tomas Sadoransky in the Lonzo Ball deal. Garrett Temple also goes to the Pelicans. So some quality depth there. They still have Thad Young. They didn't wind up losing him. So I, I think that's, I mean, I, it's, I, I'm not sure if they're quite a winner, but they're not quite a loser either. So I can see your point. I like them more than you do, apparently. I still have no idea what to make of the Lakers. Uh, let's talk about that next, David. But first, let's tell them about Rock Auto. Well, you never have to doubt a company that's been around for two decades, a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Look, you can go to a chain storefront. They can find the parts that you might be looking for, maybe if they happen to carry them in their warehouse. But all they're going to do is look it up on the computer. Why bother going through that when you've got access to computers on your phone or at home, which means you've got access to rockauto.com. Why spend more for the exact same parts at a chain store or even worse at a car dealership? RockAuto.com's low prices are the same for everybody. So go to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Then go to the section that says, how did you hear about us? And write the phrase locked on so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's RockAuto.com. This segment was recorded before the news that the Warriors signed Otto Porter Jr. to a minimum contract. Obviously a good get for Golden State. Porter will help fill a need on the wing, and they still have their mid-level exception to address other team needs. Let's move now to the losers in NBA free agency. And David, I honestly have no idea what to make of the Los Angeles Lakers. Are they winners? Are they losers? We already know about the Russell Westbrook stuff. Uh, they were quite active in the opening hours of free agency. They signed Wayne Ellington, Trevor Ariza, Dwight Howard, and Kent Bazemore. They lose Alex Caruso, who we just talked about, to Chicago. If it's just a numbers game, I guess they're winners, right? Like, look, I think I don't think any of the players they signed are as good as Caruso, but Bazemore was re- had a, a really strong finish to the season last year in, in Golden State. Uh, Wayne Ellington will provide some much-needed spacing after making the Russell Westbrook um, deal. I actually thought Ellington, for a long time, made a lot of sense there. This is a guy in Wayne Ellington who idolizes Kobe Bryant, has a Kobe Bryant tattoo, wears Kobe's shoes on the court. Kind of always made sense. He might start as shooting guard for them, just for floor spacing. And so and Trevor Ariza could start at the forward spot, could sort of maybe fill in that Shane Battier role if you're playing LeBron and Anthony Davis down a position, if, if Anthony Davis finally buys into playing the five full-time. Um, and they bring Dwight Howard back. So that was nice. But they lose JaVale McGee. Or they already lost JaVale McGee two years ago. But um, <laughs> what do you make of the Lakers free agency? Like, are they winners? Are they losers? I don't I don't know. I I don't know. I, I don't think Lakers fans know. Or, or Lakers media. I don't think they know what to do. I, I think, you know, it's a, this unfortunate side effect. And look, I should qualify this and say that even as we're rating winners and losers, this seems as pointless almost as rating winners and losers on draft night when you have no idea how these players are going to turn out. You don't know what the fit is going to be like. Well, Westbrook, look, Westbrook's not going to change, but maybe playing alongside a guy like LeBron, you know, something he's never done. He's never played alongside a guy like this. He's played alongside unique otherworldly scorers in Harden and Durant, but not the kind of playmakers that a playmaker like LeBron. And so we don't know how that fit's going to work out. I, I think it's going to go well. And if that's the case, then you make these moves on the fringes to bring in guys that are familiar either with playing alongside LeBron and Dwight Howard's case or guys that have been former Lakers like Ellington and Ariza. I think it makes sense. They can, they're not going to shy away from the moment. They're looking to capitalize on the Lakers' strengths, you know, their, their depth. Uh, they're going to 
compete for a title. We already know that's the case. I mean, any other season, Good I think point. the Lakers would have been right in the title hunt too. But uh, you know, this was the strangest season in NBA history, so you can't really make that case. But other than that, I, I think you, you, you're you know you're building a team here, and I think that's it's a fine move. I don't say it's great. I don't think they're losers, but I, I don't. Maybe I'm kind of on the fence the same way I was about Chicago. But I, I don't dislike their moves, but I'm also not yeah. sure exactly how it's going to pan out. I'm higher on the Russell Westbrook thing than most people. And I'm not, I'm not exactly sure why I, it just feels better. I don't, I don't know. I, I like that. You've idea always been an, a pad chaser, uh, you know, a stat pattern. I think that's what it is. I have, I have always been a stat pattern. That's how I approach everything in life. So that that's makes right. sense. It's all about um, the triple doubles with you, man. Always. <laughs> uh, so look, I like the idea of adding a guy like Westbrook, not necessarily for the playoffs. I think there might be some diminishing returns there, but at that point, but in the regular season, I think that having a guy like Westbrook to take some of the some of the brunt off of guys like LeBron and Anthony Davis will be helpful, sure. especially because, like, why did the Lakers lose in the playoffs this year? It wasn't because of a lack of a talent. It's because they weren't healthy and because LeBron and AD were, were beaten down by that point. So um, a long offseason, adding a guy like Westbrook, who could be relentless for 82 games, allows LeBron and AD to maybe sit back a little bit. But that was the idea last year, right, with getting Dennis Schroeder and Montrezl Harrell, and we didn't really see – like, LeBron got hurt. Um, so that's definitely part of it, but I, I never got the sense even when LeBron was playing that he's like, oh, hey, I could just like sort of cede the controls to guys like Dennis Schroeder and Montrezl Harrell. Like I, th- theoretically, I get it, but I, we have yet to see that in practice, right? LeBron's been talking about maybe taking a back seat for five years now, it seems like. At he least. never does. At least. And, um, but we'll see. But I think the volume of guys adding a guy, like I thought they actually missed Dwight Howard last year. His rebounding in lineups next to Anthony Davis, uh, AD doesn't have to do it, is important. Bazemore, Ellington, Ariza, like all those guys are shooters. Um, I don't think Wesley Matthews has signed anywhere yet, so I think they could still bring him back. Um, It's just, look, none of these guys are Ray Allen. None of these guys are Kyrie Irving, right? None of these guys are like some of the three-point shooters that that LeBron has played with before, but neither was Contavious Caldwell-Pope, right? He was their best three-point shooter last year. I don't think anybody's like treating Contavious Caldwell-Pope like Clay Thompson, right? So... These are just some good shooters that they're going to serve around LeBron with. And usually that's enough. Usually that's enough. It's just all about how the rest of them uh, work together. Let's move on from the Lakers. though. I think we talked enough about them. Losers, straight up losers. Let's start with the Warriors. Uh, This was a team that approached the draft and said, you know what? Let's just take a big swing at number seven here with Jonathan Kaminga. He's not going to be able to play for us right away, but we understand that because we don't want to pick here again. We don't have a star of the future. All right, cool. Do that. Whatever. At number 14, you take Moses Moody. Who knows what to make of a number 14 pick? I'm not going to overreact or underreact to that. I don't care. Um, but Bob Myers came out and, and, and told us that, hey, free agency is going to be where we determine whether or not, and how Clay Thompson looks when he comes back, but also free agency, that's going to determine whether or not we get back to where we want to be, which is the playoffs, which is something they haven't done in two years. They have done nothing in the opening hours of free agency. As we're recording this, they have yet to make a signing. Kent Bazemore left. He's with the Lakers now. We just talked about that. Uh, they had a number of the guys that they had been rumored to be interested in, guys like Trevor Ariza, um, other guys have signed elsewhere. Wayne Ellington, they've signed elsewhere. Um, they have yet to make a move. I don't know what's out there. If it's as simple as, hey, let's just bring Andre Iguodala back, I don't think that's enough. There's some, there's some names. Patty Mills hasn't signed at the time of us recording this, unless the alert yeah. that I got. No. Um, I, is that an, like, those are names that they've been targeting. Nick Batum was another guy that they wanted. He re-signed with the Clippers. I mean, 
I just don't know Kelly where the Warriors Obrio, go. Right? It look, Kelly Oubre has gone, man. Like, I, I, I find a, re- I find it hard to believe that they're going to resign unless they get so desperate that they're saying that they say, you know what, we'll give you seventeen million a year, whatever it's going to take. We'll give you the Evan Fournier contract to come back. I just don't see them doing that based on where their finances are and, and some of the recent comments by Joe Lakeup. It doesn't sound like they want to go that much deeper into the tax. I mean, it's pretty um, telling. I, I don't know if you saw this being reported yeah. right now, but from Sham Sharani of The Athletic, apparently Bazemore turning down more money from the Warriors to sign with the Lakers. So, I mean, clearly he sees the really? Lakers as a yeah uh, closer to contention, I guess, than the Warriors. So I think that's how a lot of people view the Warriors right now. They're in a tough place. I mean, you know this better than anybody, but uh, obviously – uh, simultaneously looking to compete and also retooling yeah. and rebuilding at the same time. So that's a, a tough place. I, I guess Bazemore it scares off more money in years from the Warriors, but believes he'll have a bigger role and opportunity to win a championship with the Lakers. That's exactly the Warriors. That does, does not bode well for Golden State, right? They were betting on, hey, we've got Steph Curry using the MVP race, Draymond Green, defensive player of the year race. Come here. You can win a championship. But the Lakers are right there. Brooklyn's right there. Like there are teams that are just better suited. And it just doesn't seem like the branding right now around Golden State is is very good. Has Golden State, like, not burned bridges around the league necessarily, but, I mean, you kind of recall uh, – what's this point guard name? The, the guy who shoved Chris Paul. I'm totally drawing a blank here. Uh, the Clippers guard. Pa- Pat- Patrick oh, Beverly. Patrick Beverly. Yeah, yeah, like that reaction to the Warriors last year. Do you think that's around the league that – people are still upset at that team and, and the strength, the, the way they dominated yeah. for five years that maybe they're not looking to add to that core there. I mean, I, I could see them I bringing back that, a guy like Iguodala because he fits there, obviously, yeah. but around the league, I wonder if they're viewed much more negatively than we perceive. I don't think it's that they're viewed negatively. I just think that they're old news. And this is why it's so hard to maintain a dynasty in the NBA. If you're a big market team that basically tries to attract free agents and look, I'll say this before I say anything else. It's a miracle that this is a team that lo- that has missed the playoffs two off two seasons in a row and has still been able to maintain keep all of their stars, right? Like yep. Steph Curry is going to sign this extension. He's not demanding a trade. Uh Clay Thompson's coming back. They they still have Draymond Green. The only star that they lost obviously was Kevin Durant, but everybody saw that coming. So, they've managed to keep their core 3 in place and have them coming back. So that's a win. Right away they're winning. But this is why it's so hard to compete for so many years and basically be Spurs 2.0, which them and the other 29 teams in the league want to be, right. um, is because you become old news. And and this is kind of, I guess, the genius of what LeBron's done is he's never old news. He keeps moving teams. And so it's like, hey, you know, it would have been one thing if he's like, hey, keep chasing championships with me in Cleveland or even Miami. But it's like he keeps moving around. And with the Lakers, they get the Russell Westbrook thing. And what happens? They get everybody. And Kent Bazemore looks at that situation like, who knows? If the Lakers don't trade for Russell Westbrook, maybe he looks at the situation as equal to the Warriors and says, hey, I was pretty good in Golden State this last year. I'll just re-up with more years. That wasn't the case. Kent Bazemore looked at the shiny new thing that was the Lakers and said, I'm going to go over there. So did Wayne Ellington. So did Trevor Ariza. So did Dwight Howard. Um, I just think that the Warriors, and you look at what's going on in Brooklyn and Milwaukee just winning a championship, Miami making a big splashes. The Warriors are just old news. They've missed the playoffs two years in a row. You could tell me Steph Curry all day long, but there's stars everywhere else in the league too, right? And there's coastal elite teams everywhere in the league that are good now. You look at when the Warriors were at the height of their dynasty, the Lakers were no good. The Clippers were no good. The Knicks were no good. Brooklyn was rebuilding irrelevant. Miami was coming off of their own dynasty and in a, re- in a rebuild of sorts. Like those coastal elite teams weren't any good when the Warriors were attracting DeMarcus Cousins and all these guys at the minimum. 
do, do um, they have a, but now do they have a recruiter good. do they have a recruiter like a guy who has these kind of connections my, my guess would be draymond is the draymond guy. yeah and he's yeah. in tokyo look, so maybe all can. this can be moot if they end up making a big damian lillard or bradley beal swing somewhere down the line sure and that's probably what they're preparing to try to do but that doesn't take away from the fact that you had to nail free agency regardless yeah. and and using your mid-level exception your minimum contracts on helpful players doesn't keep you from making that all-star type of splash later trade later on um so they've got to be losers right now because just their inability to do anything and and honestly just losing out on some of these guys that they wanted um i think another guy uh, another team that has to be labeled as a loser right now are the trailblazers Mm -hmm. i understand that they didn't have that many options to make a big move they brought back norman powell they bring in Cody Zeller to replace Zach Collins, uh, who went to San Antonio. Collins has more upside, but he's been injured his entire career. It feels like Cody Zeller is probably better right now. But like, look, if you're if if you're going to Damon Lillard and say, "Look, we got you, Cody Zeller," I don't think that's keeping him from demanding a trade by the time the regular season gets here. No, absolutely not. I mean, your 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 job is on the line. Everybody's job is on the line. This team and everything that we know about it is going to be blown up unless they make the right kind of move and yeah you're right i mean they didn't have a lot of options but this is how somehow uh, look i i know it sounds somewhat homerish but i think everybody discounted miami this year they discounted miami two years ago when they acquired jimmy butler somehow that front office always manages to find very creative ways and i know i can already hear 80 percent of the listeners saying oh but it's big markets big markets it's like you know what there is no big market and don't give me that oh they get income tax taken off there they don't have to worry about that you know what orlando doesn't pay income tax either state income tax that is and guess what they're not luring free agents there either so <laughs> This is about a, an organization that's run poorly, and that's, I think, pretty blatantly clear when it comes to the Portland Trailblazers. They just don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to use their cap creatively. They don't know how to lure the big names there. You, you overpay for a player, then you can't get rid of that contract. And I think Powell's a fine player. I think everybody can agree to that. But I think the amount of money that you pay him makes that contract not unmovable, very difficult where you have to throw in additional assets in order to clear some of that space there. So you kind of shoot yourself in the foot yet again. And when you're trying to impress your one in a t- once in a lifetime type superstar in, in Lillard, this isn't going to get it done. So I, I don't know what they're doing there in Portland. I got to say. Um, they were probably going to be losers no matter what. Sure. But, but that means they're losers. Um, all right. Let's talk about some of our other losers in free agency next, but first tell them about that online. Well, if you want to bet on Portland's chances next season, then go to Bet Online, the fastest and easiest you can way. Short them. <laughs> <laughs> to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's still in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online, get all the latest news and odds and info on all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, of course, the NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online and your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And don't forget to use that promo code locked on. All right. So, finishing up our podcast here, uh, we're doing winners and losers of NBA free agency. We've covered the winners the Heat, the Bulls, the Nuggets, the Knicks. We think the Lakers. Um, losers are the Warriors, the Trailblazers, and the Pelicans, David. Um, you lose Lonzo Ball. You get Devontae Graham. You could argue that Graham is a better fit because he's a better shooter. 
um, from three-point range than Lonzo. I don't know how much better, but I just don't know that he's the upgrade that they need considering that Zion Williamson is – there, there are, there are, there, there's skepticism that maybe he's growing impatient. That hey, this is an, yet another coach that he has to play for. All these things they had been in the Kyle Lowry conversation, or at least they forced themselves into that conversation. I like Devonte Graham. He's just not Kyle Lowry. I don't think he's the guy to bring him over the top. And it would have been one thing if they went ahead and signed Graham and then got a bunch of other kind of guys too, right, to kind of supplement yeah. that roster. But they didn't do that. Um, all they the did get Temple losers. and Sadoransky in the sign and trade for ball. So you so, get you lose Lonzo, you get Garrett Temple, Tomas Sadoransky, and Devontae Graham. Again, I just think that those are like, all right, are they better now? I, I don't know. No, I, I think this kind of feels reminiscent to me of like the Knicks, you know, uh, from a few years ago that were going to rebuild around Kevin Durant and Kyle Lowry and Zion Williamson, uh, ironically enough. And, you know, they were going to have this super team formed. And of course, they clear all this cap space, similarly to what we see from Dallas year in and year out. And then they wind up falling short. So, you know, I, I've seen a lot of scuttle about David Griffin, maybe not necessarily making the right move. The fact that you have to give up a draft pick in order to acquire Devontae Graham. Also not a good look because that's a team that does rely on building through the draft. So you're already punting on next season. You punted on this year's draft too in order to acquire Kyle Lowry. You set yourself up. You think you have a great chance of doing so. And then you wind up falling short. As nice as these pickups might be, they're not the superstar that you tackle. I mean, if you're going to make these kinds of moves – you better be sure that you're going to get it done. And New, New Orleans uh, fell through, and, and they just didn't get it done. And so that the guy kind of leaves a very sour taste in that franchise's, uh, that fan base's mouth there. So I just – I don't know how they bounce back from this. Maybe they can pull off a move down the road, but, I mean, I, I can sense the frustration from their fans. I can yeah. only imagine what their superstar Williamson is feeling. Let's move to the Dallas Mavericks. Similar to the Pelicans, they were in that mix for Kyle Lowry. They don't do that. They – look – I actually, I like the Mavericks approach, right? They moved very quickly from plan A to plan B. Once the Lowry stuff Well, they should down, be used to it, right? I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> that's been their MO for a long time. <laughs> Once they've struck out on Lowry, they go ahead, bring back their own guys. Tim Hardaway Jr., Sterling Brown was not their own guy, but I think a really good addition at a value two years, uh, about $6 million. They bring back Boban Marjanovic. Um, look, that's a win a right there. With it. I don't, <laughs> well, bring back Boban. But um, I, I don't have a problem with it, I, and and I like it. Like I, I again, I like the process of it, and so I I I kind of am the same with the Lakers. It's like, are they losers? Question mark. Uh, because in some respect, you just have to say, yeah, absolutely, they lost out on the number one target. But at the same time, I thought they responded well and and pretty swiftly moved to Plan B and executed that really well. Well, I, I can't criticize the Pelicans for not reaching their goal and then at the same time applaud Dallas for not reaching their goal either and bouncing back. I, I guess it felt maybe like their response was a little bit more quickly, not I just, well, let's, we got to do something. Like, yeah, I guess the difference with New Orleans was I, I thought they got worse where <laughs> Dallas just sort of stayed the same and maybe even got better with the with the Sterling Brown edition, like marginally better. I don't think it was a yeah, New a, Orleans a, plan B sucked in comparison to Dallas, <laughs> is, I guess is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, uh, we were seeing reports that Lonzo just wanted out, and that's why they were getting rid of him in the first place, and that they ended sure. up settling on Devontae Graham. And I guess, look, if that's the way it is, and that's the way it is, and you make the most out of your situation. So, point taken. I don't know. 
I, I will say also that uh, there is some possibility of Toronto buying out Goran Dragic's contract and maybe coming uh-huh. to some kind of an agreement. And if that's the case, it seems like Goran would likely join the Dallas Mavericks to play alongside his Slovenian countryman, Luka Doncic. And if that's the case, that's a good deal for them, I think, to bring in a, a guy like Dragic. And I, I already heard from Mavs fans and reporters that they're not happy about that possibility because they think, you know, they thought they were going to get Lowry. They thought they were going to be able to acquire Lonzo Ball. They were going to get everybody and they didn't get every, anybody that they really, really wanted. But I, I, you know, I still think Dragic can contribute. I mean, I, he was bouncing back from injury last year. Again, one of the most difficult seasons, if not the most in NBA history. He's 35. He's not quite as explosive as he once was. He can't get to the rim as easily, but he's still a good shooter. He's still a very hard worker, a great locker room presence and a leader. And the fact that he has the kind of just the connection to Doncic and the ability to kind of keep Luka in check somewhat, nobody on that front office or roster can do that. I think Goran is probably the only guy in the league who has that ability. And I think that would really benefit Dallas and get them to kind of focus on, on what it will take in order for them to achieve their title dreams. Um, if they add Dragic, I firmly move them into the winner's category here because for sure. they lost Josh Richardson. So it looks like Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to be in that starting lineup for good, right? He kind of right. became that starter anyway at the end of last year. But if you move Tim Hardaway Jr. into that starting lineup, well, then who's your sixth man type of guy who can anchor the scoring in that second unit? You you bring in Dragic, he could do that for you, right? We saw him do that in the past. And, and all those things that you've mentioned about the leadership and his relationship to Doncic and all these things, I think that would be a home run for them. I think the like from everything that we're hearing, like the Lowry to heat stuff was done like months ago, you know? So the fact that new Orleans and Dallas were trying to force their way into this conversation seemed maybe like a lot more posturing on their end than on Kyle Lowry's end. Right. Um, and so maybe that was just unfair expectations and maybe hey, I should move we, the Pelicans out of the loser slot for this reason, but should we address the whole tampering situation? Cause I no. mean, I've, I've been, okay. <laughs> Cause I've been seeing it nonstop. To- I just, who cares, man? Like, wasn't that fun to watch like the jump? I mean, it wasn't actually fun to watch the jump, but you know what I mean? Like to, to have like this flood of news come in within minutes. Um, I thought was really, like, the alternative is, Hey, there's no tampering. Free agency starts at 6 PM. Um, and then crickets like, no, that's no fun. Like, let's just, <laughs> let's do this. Like bring it in waves. Give me all the info. Give me like, what do you care if there's tampering? Who cares? Just tamper better if you're the victim of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 29 other teams were negotiating and dealing. Maybe 28 if you don't include Golden State. And yet everybody was pointing at Miami. Right. The fact that they had everything only, going on. The already. only team I believe that wasn't tampering was the Sacramento Kings. Because the first thing they announced was the fact that they were taking their broadcaster, Doug Christie, and, and adding him to the coaching staff. And they did like a big press release out of it. So they're like, hey, like free agency is going to start. We're going to make this big announcement and then we're going to get whatever free agent we want. And it turns out all the free agents had already agreed to terms the minute free agency started. So congrats to the Kings for playing by the rules. Everybody else did not. And they got the guys that they wanted. Um, uh, should we, Kelly Olinick, by the way, should we talk about this? The first big free agent acquisition uh, to kick off free agency? Detroit Pistons, nice yeah. deal. How, how did that get done without some prior tampering? I want to know. I mean, three years, 37 million. Good for Kelly Olenek. Like, Talk you know, contract I, year win. Yeah, I, I look, he he was able to turn around a bad situation where he got traded to Houston and really improve, I, I think, his his standing around the league because he yeah. just he was a looter in a riot. He had a, a he took advantage of those last <laughs> two months on a team that was clearly tanking. He said, you know what? I'm going to put a 20 and 10 with ease on this roster without anybody else to stop me. And uh, good for him for getting it done. Now the Pistons 
they got a, a you know a seven footer who can roll to the rim. He's a great passer, as we've seen in Miami, and a pretty solid shooter, close to forty percent from three point range. But it'll be every third game or so. So <laughs> I'm sorry, Pistons fans, <laughs> you're probably going to get as frustrated as the Celtics Kale and fans experience. Were. That's yes. right. Um, uh, we're basically done, but I'm looking at my notes here, and I had the Suns in as winners. And I yes. can hear Phoenix fans already being like, you didn't include the Phoenix Suns and winners. And they may have already turned this podcast off. But in case they didn't, sorry, I forgot about the Phoenix Suns and winners. They're absolutely winners. They bring back Chris Paul, which we didn't like the Knicks were doing all their Knicks stuff and saying, hey, we're going to get Chris Paul. No, absolutely. Chris Paul re-upped with the Phoenix Suns. He got, he got the bag, but it was the right move by Phoenix. You did the right thing, finally. And you bring back Cameron Payne, which he played such a meaningful role for them in the postseason. You bring him back. You lose Torrey Craig. I think... NBA Twitter is making out more of that than what it really is. He was a fine player, but you can, he wasn't really a good three point shooter. He's kind of like this three and D guy without the three, you know what right. I mean? Right. Um, so like you lose him, but you bring in a guy like JaVale McGee. Yes. And if you're Phoenix, like you could argue that that might be the reason that they didn't win the finals or didn't, or maybe lost the last four games, I should say, and didn't really compete as much toward the end there is that they didn't what once once um, Dario Saric went down and they basically had to rely on Frank Kaminsky for backup center minutes. They didn't really have a guy. Now right. you have DeAndre Ayton, you have JaVale McGee, a reliable backup center. They brought back their key guys, and they addressed a major area of need, which if you're a finals team, you really shouldn't have many. But their glaring area of need was backup center, and they got a really good one in JaVale McGee. And look, the loss of Craig might eventually get offset by the addition of Andre Guadalla, who played collegiately at Arizona. You know, he's got friendships there. He, he played alongside Jay Crowder in Miami. Mm -hmm. So I think that would be a really nice fit there. While everybody kind of hasn't penciled in to join Golden State, I've heard that uh, Phoenix is absolutely in the running, too. All right. Uh, yeah, I didn't want to end the show without mentioning Phoenix um, because they definitely were winners. All right. That'll do it for us today. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on NBA wherever you get your podcasts for 30 minutes of the NBA's top stories every day and make sure to tune in every day for a roundup and reaction to what is happening in free agency. You know there's going to be way more action coming throughout the week. We'll be back here next Tuesday. In the meantime, you can find me at Locked on Warriors. David is over at Locked on Heat. Thanks for listening.